Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with Michael Emanuel, who walks us through someone who quit his job, then goes into the wonderful and wacky world of real estate, and not only that, goes into investment real estate where he helps investors build second suites and build something called garden suites. If you're not familiar with garden suites, it's when you have enough area on your lot, I guess by approved and by design of the city, where you can drop in an extra unit of a house on your property. We're referring to those lately as garden suites. Sometimes they're called laneway suites, depending on where you are. But he has been building those. He has a company called Tri-City Builders. He has a design company called Infinite Design and Services. He's putting all of this stuff together as a young guy. And when you hear him you know, decide to quit his job. If you're, if you're out there listening to this, driving your car on your way to work and you're frustrated like I was, here's a guy locally in the greater Toronto area who decided to quit his job so you can learn from him what his thought processes were, how he went down that path and how he's doing so far. So I really enjoy getting to, to know Michael because he's offering services to real estate investors where a big group of us are all supporting each other, which is wonderful, especially in new areas like this, Garden Suites. But he's also sharing his journey and story so we can all learn from each other. So very appreciative to you, Michael, for sharing all of this kind of stuff. And if you are listening to this and you want to join a group of other people in the greater Toronto area who are all supporting each other and who've been doing this for over a decade to help each other live life on their own terms, you can learn how we're all doing that by checking out the Rockstar Inner Circle membership by visiting rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. And on that website, you're going to see everything you get as you become a rockstar inner circle member but i think more importantly you're going to see tons and tons of feedback and stories and pictures of members sharing their experiences after becoming a rockstar inner circle member so you can check it all out at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member and you should know that michael is also a rockstar inner circle member so there you go enough with the intro let's get on with the show are you ready to live life on your terms is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. The opt-in is allowed, Michael Emanuel. That's who we are live with right now. Well, we're not, I guess if you're listening to this as a recording, it's not live, but you and I are live now. Anyone listening kind of gets it. Michael, how did you get into this freaking seat? How have we met? You got to tell me the, how old are you? 33. Come into the mic, pull the mic. There we go. Uh, 33 years old. Where did you go to school? Uh, high school. I went actually here in Oakville. You grew up in Oakville? Mississauga oh, first. No. Oh, okay. Mississauga. Oakville. Where yeah. in Mississauga did you grow up? Credit, credit View in Eglinton. No way. So close to square one. Huh, what high school? Uh, high school, I didn't go. Just elementary school. Okay, and then yeah. you went then to Oakville? to Oakville. What high school, high school here? Iroquois Ridge. You went to Iroquois Ridge? Mm -hmm. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, and then you now, no wait, where did you go to university? So I went to Sheridan College. Sheridan College, Oakville campus, Brampton. Uh, Brampton campus, so the Davis campus. They're the ones that had the architectural program there. Okay. Which is actually interesting how the stars sort of aligned. So for high school, I was meant to go to St. Joseph's High School. That's on Credit View. And uh, my parents decided to move to Oakville. And sort of by happenstance, Iroquois Ridge had an architecture, like general elective. So instead of taking shop or home ec or one of those other classes, yeah. auto, they had architecture. 
Hmm. And it was architecture and not like drafting? Or it, it was mainly drafting. Okay. But so you kind of started off small, learning AutoCAD, doing, I don't know, all all the basic type of skills. Okay. So the different commands and learning that. And then it kind of expanded into doing floor plans. Huh. That's where I caught the bug. I've always been artistic. As a kid being left-handed, I guess that's what they say, that left-handed people are supposed to be more Oh, geez. Artsy. You're one of those. Nick's yeah. left-handed. Yeah. yeah. You guys are the best. We get it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, me and my wife actually are both left-handed. Oh, jeez, yeah. double threat. Yeah, yeah right. So, uh, growing up, I was always very creative. Had that imagination. Played with a lot of Legos. Hmm. Built a lot of things with Legos. So that kind of translated. That interest grew into the architecture, and then from there, I was always interested. Watching my dad at home, he was a mechanic. Uh, he's retired now, but always working on things, building, finishing basements in our houses. Right, well, the one in Mississauga, the one in Oakville too, then eventually the one in Milton. Um, so just growing up around that kind of DIY, had an interest in building, watching Home Improvement with Tim Allen too. Mm, yeah, I remember <laughs> that was good. Tool time. So yeah, that's kind of how it how it evolved. Um, the first crack after high school, I went to take the architectural technology program at Sheridan College. Wasn't ready for it. Too immature. Flunked out of it. Hmm. Uh, went to work with my brother. I had been doing it over the summers during high school. Don't, this base, if you knock it, it's going to kind of make that. Oh, sorry. Of, yeah, yeah. No, you're good. So I was doing hard labor, doing interlocked landscaping. So when I flunked out, let's say. You learned quick. I, I learned quick. I actually hurt my back, sprained my spine and strained uh, a muscle along the spine. I was like, that day was the last day that I said. How long were you out for when you did that? Uh, fortunately, after a round of physio, it was pretty good. So oh, it wasn't okay. too bad. I, like, okay. I wasn't bedridden or anything. Okay. It was just painful. Yeah. So I had the proper bed. I sprained my back for the first time a few months ago, and uh, it's just not pretty. Like, oh. I couldn't, I could barely move for a couple of weeks. It was nasty. Yeah. It's probably a little different at 18, 19 years yeah, old versus. Yeah, totally, than 50. Yeah, no, I get it. You're right. That's a nice way of yeah. saying you're old, Tom. But yeah. I get it. Okay, so yeah. you did that, and that taught you that hard labor kind of is hard. Exactly. <laughs> and that, you, that drove you back into school? Exactly. With a new purpose. New purpose, more focus, mm -hmm. more drive to succeed. And what was the and program at Sheridan? Architectural technology. Oh, so they okay. had two versions of it. One was the... Uh, two-year program and the other one was a three-year with co-op uh, you didn't actually have to do the co-op so what i did to make up for the lost time of having flunked out before and then working and then picking it up a couple of years later is i did seven straight semesters through it oh wow So consecutive no summers okay. off awesome. no, no in between yeah. so that really took its toll but mission accomplished Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And so then you came out of that at what age? That would have been 20, 22, 20, 23. Oh, 23. Like that early. Oh, 20, 23. April 23rd. And then do you get a job then working in this field? Yes. Uh, where were you working? Yes. So I was working for a firm downtown, uh, Adamson Associates. Okay. They're a global company. So they have offices all around. And what kind of work places. are you doing for a company like that with, with that type of education? So, so it was drafting. Okay. Yeah. That was the entry level role. And they're giving you, like, are you making new drawings or are you like doing quoting or estimates based on other drawings for projects for people? So basically their role is the architect of record. So what happens is you have the actual architect, the designer who creates the design package and then hands it over to the architect of record. And they're the ones who develop all of the construction documents that would not only go in for permit, mm. but would also 
go to site. So when I was on the job site looking at blueprints, you're the people making those blueprints? Exactly. Holy shit, dude. You know how many times they were off? And when you're on this site, I can't tell you how many condominiums I worked on and you're building a wall and the wall of this hallway is supposed to line up with like the elevator shaft, you know, something that's immovable. And it's off by like two inches. And you're like, who the heck are these architects? What is happening? Is that the drawings or is that the formsman? And that's always what would happen. That is what you just said is always what would happen. Some architect or somebody, whoever would come on scene. I was a student at this point, so I don't know what their designation was. And the foreman on the on the job site would be arguing with this architect or engineer or whoever it was and I used to love that um, but uh, but the construction crew always figured it out like we always got it done we always kind of jimmied it up a little bit mm-hmm. so that everything kind of lined up but uh, cool so you did that kind of work awesome and then you were there for uh, several years so I was there for about 18 months uh, that's it that's it why you just had enough so I didn't like what I was doing anymore mm. I fell out of love mm-hmm. with that type of work so just being behind the computer every single day the other part of it was there would be constant revisions from the architect that you'd have to reiterate over and over again. So you're working on the same so monotony. Thing. Exactly. So it's a little bit yeah, got not it. where the action is. And then where, so where did you go after that? So I decided to uh, get into project management as part of the architectural technology program at shared. And they had a couple of classes, courses dedicated to project management. So one and two, um, and I was interested in being more of a boots on the ground in the action. Hmm. And I decided to apply for a position at less money just to get my foot in the door and get some experience in project management. So the funny thing is with new entry-level positions, their entry-level positions, what they want someone with experience. So I had to kind of yeah. sc- scrape the bottom, bottom of the barrel, let's yeah, say. Yeah, you maybe, quote unquote, took a step back or felt like that at mm-hmm. least, but it, you knew what you were doing, so good. Yeah, yeah, so it, it ended up uh, working out. So that company actually did gas stations in the GTA. Their main headquarters was in uh, BC, but they had a satellite office here. Uh, so it was really just me as a project coordinator and the project manager, and then occasionally they would come. But I got a lot of experience on site doing exactly what I wanted to be doing, walking around, seeing how things get built. It's very interesting how a gas sure. station goes together. Yeah, I'm sure. Right? And the project manager uh, who had hired me, he kept t- talking about this company called Govan Brown & Associates. Okay. They're based in Toronto. They also have some satellite offices across Canada. Uh, large company. They're, they got bought by a U.S.-based company called Structure Tone now. Uh, but... He was the one that kept telling me about it. So I kept doing some research. I was like, hmm, this is pretty interesting. Looks promising. They do a lot of interior fit outs for office spaces, for retail and hospitality. So after eight months of being in that position and kind of, I wasn't really just a project coordinator. It was more of a do everything because it was a small office. So do admin, do AP, do AR, that kind of stuff. Um, I decided to apply for a position that they had at Gavin Brown. And I actually asked my boss, the project manager at the time, for a referral. And because of his referral, I was able to get my foot in the door over there. And that was 2015. And what was the, so what was the role? So the role there was also project coordinator, okay. but it's just yeah, larger jobs, okay. you know, different operation because more corporate structured, lots of, so you we're get talking in, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of projects. And then how long did you stay there? Uh, six years. Oh, wow. Six okay. Years. So that's almost current. Almost. Yeah. So how long ago did you? Till 2021. Yeah, so I went from June of 2015 
to June of 2021. When did you start getting interested in like income properties or real estate investment? Like where does that enter the picture? So that's really started, I would say January of 2021. Oh, wow. Got it. I feel yeah. like you've done a lot since then. Okay. Yeah. Um, and is that where we cross paths at some point? That happened later in the year, actually. Okay. Not too far off. Okay. So January of 2021, right? That was in the middle of COVID. Yeah. That's kind of what pushed me over the edge to leave. Um, pushed everyone over the edge. Pushed everyone. But <laughs> e- even before COVID, I started having some cracks in the foundation. Okay. I think everyone kind of with an entrepreneurial. Yeah. So just the corporate life was. Yeah. It just, it, it was a continuous mm. loop that seemed like it was never going to end. Uh, part of the problem was that I reached sort of my goal of being project manager, yeah, got right? After some, and once I reached that mountaintop and I didn't see what the next peak was, I had nothing to chase and it just got monotonous. Again. Life gets and, and, dull quick. Right. So the, the, the crack started forming in 2019, really. Um, I remember sitting at home with my then uh, fiance. Yes, because that was late yeah. 2019. So then fiance and just like, starting to cry saying that I wasn't where I thought I should be or who I should be. So it like really took its toll. And then of course with COVID just half a year later, all the uncertainty with that, it just really pushed me. I remember leaving university, getting a job um, that everyone told me was the best job ever. I was like a programmer at Royal Bank on their front street location. And I remember after being there for like two months, I started having intense nightmares like sweating if I fell asleep, I asleep at, I guess at that point, my feet, Carol was my fiance maybe at that time, I guess. Um, and just having complete, absolute terror, panic attacks. And I was just freaking out that this was my life. Like I had gone to university, got the quote unquote good job and my days were horrible. I was working on projects that were like, like literally computer code that was written in, you know, 25 years earlier and I was doing maintenance work on it. It was just like a complete horror show. And I thought, oh my gosh, how have I done everything right? And my life sucks. And when I say right, I mean, quote unquote, right. You know, Um, so I can totally relate to that. So, so then what did you do? You just got up and quit? No, I actually had to grind through it once I made the decision. So I made that decision and that's, I remember very uh, like vividly. So I was sitting in the office working late again by myself and it just really everything just kind of like came and hit me all at once i can get emotional now talking about it but yeah it just oh, came shit. it just, yeah, yeah, it just yeah. came i could hold oh. it together but it, it just came and hit me all at once and basically the decision that i made was they say you know or tony robbins says this too is that you a decision happens in in an instant but it's the build up to that decision so everything just compounded and built up to that very moment where the decision was made um and it's like if i don't see myself in this position for the next 35 years because I was 30 at the time. Why next year, next month, next week? Huh. Might as well make a change. So what did you start planning then? Like how to make an income without this job? That, that's kind of like what spearheaded, right? Because January okay. 2021, that led me, I was doing a lot more research. I'm sure a lot of people who were at home as well were doing research on like stocks, mm-hmm. right? And I was, started following some YouTubers and then from the stocks. It Stock went, trading, I went it, down that path. Exactly. Option trading, I yeah. went down that Try, path. Trying to figure that out, yeah. right? Can I make money just staying at home trading? Right, exactly. Pork right. bellies? Yeah. <laughs> I remember I made, I made Carol, like, I guess it was like late 90s, watch a VH, VHS tape of some guy teaching like options trading on pork bellies. Um, and I think she's so great 
that she like actually watched it with me, uh, although she has no interest in that. She anyways, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Carol, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get these pork bellies. She's like, what What do you mean? I'm like, well, we're not actually going to get them. We're just going to like buy puts and calls and do all these like naked shorts and all this kind of stuff. Um, anyway, I didn't get anywhere with it. But uh, yeah, Neither we've all I. been down, yeah. <laughs> we've all been down that path. Yeah. yeah. So that led into real estate. And then I started following some podcasts, huh. bigger, bigger pockets being one of the okay. larger ones. So then I went down that road and it was in June, 2021 that I quit. The reason that I picked June, 2021 is because we had actually purchased a house, a new build the previous year in June of 2020. So that we closed on it May of 2021. So I needed yeah, you need to qualify to qualify and close. Don't. Yeah. 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 Oh, we've all been there, dude. So, my wife and I actually left our both of our jobs. Oh wow! The same month she left earlier. I left June twenty first. Still remember the day. Um, and she went to school for a personal support worker. Oh, awesome! Yeah. And maybe about a month after having watched Bigger Pockets over and over again, so many of the guests that come on, they okay. you know, ask them what books do you recommend, and it kept being the same one. It was Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. God, let me over guess. Think and Grow Rich too. And over. Maybe no. That actually came from you guys. Oh, okay. But okay. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that was, yeah. the, that was constant. Classic. Very Classic. Like common yeah. from all of them. And, and so that was one of the first books. Cash flow not, his follow-up Cash Flow Quadrants or whatever it was. He oh has my a, gosh, blew so my much mind. material. Yeah. yeah. I think at one point I had read like 15 of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series. It just constantly blew my mind. Mm -hmm. I remember one book pissed me off though. It was a blueprint building book for quitting your job. It was like, don't quit your job without doing this first. And the book was all about building a business plan. Nobody and, told me that. Oh yeah. And well, I just remember, well, the business plan, the idea of a business plan is kind of like most of them from what I see are rather useless because it's not talking about how to get customers. The business plan's more like the opportunity, there's this size of market for this type of work. And if I get 3% of the entire market, our business will be this big. And here's the generic ways I'll go about getting this business. And it's just, it's so high level and theoretical. Most business plans to me are just garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, I think and it's then more that, about de defining your avatar. Yeah, it's like that kind of stuff. Whereas like, I just wanted to know, how do I make the phone ring? How do I get someone to send me a text? How do I get a customer to walk in the door? Like, give me the practical steps from A to B to make that happen. And that's what got us down the path of direct response marketing, which we talk a lot about now. Mm -hmm. And that was the eye opener. Because then I didn't have to figure out what a marketing budget was. Like in a business plan, a lot of people will come to us now and say, hey, well, what, what should the size of my marketing budget be? And then I'll just respond, well, I don't know, how much does it cost to get you a new customer? And then 95% of everyone doesn't know that answer. And I'm like, well, you Probably should try to a blank stare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, let's try to figure out that answer. And then we can figure out how much to spend to get that person if we understand how much they are to get and then how much are they worth to you over the lifetime relationship you have with them. Because if a customer is worth five bucks to you because you sell just like, you know, little pens, mm -hmm. that's very different than if you're selling like a $50,000 consulting gig and it will dictate how much you can spend to attract that customer into your life, right? So those conversations were meaningful to me. These business plans were so theoretical that I was like, oh, garbage. But yeah. anyway, back, back to you. Um, so you go through that you reach that poor dad and that leads to what? So that led me to looking at who locally, what options oh, are available okay. as real estate investors. Cause that, you know, from a business owner investor really was sort of earth shattering to me. It totally blew my mind and 
I don't know how many limiting beliefs that book had crushed. Oh, awesome. But it was, it was many. Awesome. Many. Up until that point, really, the only books that I knew were about savings. Yeah, So I, know. I read a lot of, uh, even at a younger age, I read um, David Chilton's book, uh, The Wealthy Barber, yeah, Wealthy same. Barber Returns, right? So yeah. that's kind of what I grew up on, which yeah. is good. Yeah. For being frugal. It is good if you want to live a frugal life and never really get ahead financially. <laughs> right. So I never, like, having read those at a young age, I never spent beyond my means yeah. saving money. But as far as, you know, getting to the position of being able to travel and do all mm-hmm. the things that mm-hmm. I would like to do, wasn't going to cut it. Got it. And then so having read that Rich Dad Porta and that just opened the world of awesome. possibilities and opportunities mm. to me, which I'm sure it did for all of those oh, investors on bigger pockets and so many others, right? Yeah. So I was looking at different companies um, and organizations in Ontario. Wow, you're very thorough. Mm-hmm. That's just my background. Yeah, no, Project no. manager, right? Yeah, you have to yeah, be totally. detail-oriented, right? Yeah. It's that high C. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely the worst investor our team likes to work with because like, oh gosh, who got the engineer? Because here comes the engineer or architect or high C type person who's going to map out all these different criteria. I'm more the type of person that looks at an investment. I'm like, how much does it cost? What's the what's the income? What are the expenses? Oh yeah. Okay, done. Let's go. Yeah. Whereas you're the type of person who wants to look at all the details and that is probably the much better way to do it. Yeah, for, for everything pretty much, whether yeah, buying yeah. a car or Got it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Clothing. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do maybe too much stuff just on feel. You know, give me some data points and then, yeah, looks like it makes logical sense. Let's go. Yeah. But, okay, so then you started evaluating different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I was doing some different weekend workshops. Cool. Looking at the high upfront cost of getting into those kinds of programs. Oh, got it. So you mean like a real estate training boot camp yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Got yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Same path that we went down to. Yeah. So I said... I don't think this is for me right now. Maybe if I get my fee wet and get into a little bit more, it is. But then I came across you guys at Rockstar uh-huh. and I saw, you know, 50 bucks a month yeah, yeah. as a starter. And I'm like, hmm, and all these classes and everything like that. Uh, so I, I did the, uh, the starter yeah. class that you, the free class yeah. that you have. And uh, I think I had already signed up for you guys before that. Okay. And then you offered a discount on the enrollment fee okay. or whatever. So okay. I emailed. Yeah. yeah, you know, don't me off. Don't, I want this deal. Give <laughs> right. me this deal. That's right. Uh, I don't know if you guys are a scam yet or not. Make sure I get this Be deal. Be the frugal guy that yeah, I yeah, am, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. did we honor it or did we you did. screw you? No, you did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Okay. So that's you how you, the action takers. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. So that's how we kind of cross paths. And then I guess you started taking maybe other classes here. Yeah. So I met up uh, with Mike DeSormo. Okay. And at our initial consultation meeting, I had to sit down. So that's when I started telling him about my background and architecture and being an architectural technologist and having my BCIN. And in that conversation is when the light bulb went off that hmm, maybe I should serve investors oh, as cool. an architectural designer. Cool. And there's a environment for that. There's a need for it. And that's what I did wow. after that. So I opened up that business and started networking a little bit with locally in Kitchener, Waterloo and Cambridge. And, and this is Tri-City Builders. That was, this is my other company. Oh, got it. Yeah. So remind me. So Infinite Design and Consulting Services is the company that I, that I opened to provide the design services. And now that's expanded into also providing the consulting services and uh, in future educational services as well, coaching, uh, things of that nature. Um, and then just through the process of networking, I got linked up. 
uh, from my contact in Kitchener, who is now my business partner as Tri-City Builders, uh, with Daniel Chason, who was a agent here. And because uh, I was having such a hard time as a new entrepreneur with that learning curve and, and marketing mm -hmm. and things like mm -hmm. that, and not having followed the steps that you were saying about building sort of a business plan before you leave your full-time job. <laughs> so she she was actually in need of a project manager. Oh, cool. And we connected at a function and had an interview with her and her business partners and she brought me on and I was and so what there are you for doing? six months. You were there for six months? Working with her for six months okay. on uh, some of her properties that she was uh, rehabbing in Cornwall, North Bay, Sudbury and that kind of helped expose me to well a lot because she's awesome she's an awesome mentor as far as mindset is concerned um, and also looking through the lens of an investor versus the lens of my former career which was more high-end execution right high-end office spaces sure an investor just looking to yeah. control their costs where's the return coming from is this project feasible or not feasible where are my risks what's the downside um and then so what is your primary business now like where are you focus your efforts today yeah so i went through a, a couple other things she referred me to uh king homes okay. legal second suites okay. i'm sure a lot of uh investors in the rockstar network uh know doing architectural designs for okay. them, right? and uh, was working with Ken Beacondim, the owner there for two to three months as a subcontractor. So that was another like supplemental source of income as I'm sort of figuring out this business entrepreneur thing. And uh, ultimately I decided with the contact who's now my business partner in Kitchener to open up Tri-City Builders. So Tri-City Builders is a construction management firm focused on providing services to real estate investors, both on the design and the build side. So I combine both of my backgrounds uh, into that. And then he, my business partner provides the real estate investing expertise because that's what he's been doing out in Kitchener. For so Got long. it. So he has his initial list of contacts and subcontractors and things like that that he worked with doing his duplex conversions. And then I bring all of the actual technical execution as part of that. So what's technical as execution? I need drawings for this. Exactly. I need a permit from the city. You know, hey, Michael, can you help me get all this done? I bought this single family home. It's zoned in an area where I can do this. But like now, what do I do? You he, step in and provide those he, services? Even if they don't know what they can do, they can ask us. So do people reach yeah. out to you before they firm up on a property just saying, hey, I kind of have this thing. Mm -hmm. Can you look at it to make sure? Exactly. So we call that a feasibility study. Okay. We'll look into. It's much more technical. It is, right? Yeah, that's great. But basically that you're looking in and seeing what can you do? How do you add the most value to this property? So whether that's a duplex or converted to a triplex or you add a garden suite hmm. to it or. And are some people surprised? Like do you see some properties where somebody thinks they can only do it as a duplex and you can see a triplex out of it? Yes. Does that happen? Yeah. Because I mean that I, I'd imagine some people I found don't have the imagination to see things that a property can present to them. So you'll do that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where the background as the architectural technologist comes into play. Because the the thing about going to college versus going to university is that university, and this is why I chose college, because my grades were good enough to go to university. Mm -hmm. But college is more focusing on the technical aspects of that side of it, whereas his, uh, university is more on the theory yeah, side it. of it. Yeah. And I was more interested in how something gets built than I was in 
thinking about design and aesthetics and stuff like that. So my mentality has always been how does something go together? What's the best way to optimize the space that you're given and provide the best possible product as a result of that. So I'm very good when we walk through properties at finding ways mm-hmm. that are cost efficient to optimize an existing space. So if it's a one and a half story home, can we convert that half story by adding an addition and extending the roof line to make that its own suite, for example, to turn it into a triplex or so basement apartment, cool. main floor unit. And then I feel like your generation of investors like so much more advanced than when we started. And I think that might be because there was probably people doing what you're talking about, but there was no like internet to connect us all. So you didn't hear about the guy, like for example, Matt James just ripped the roof or not just, but fairly recently ripped the roof off a house, like with a crane and then added a second story and put the roof back on. Like we didn't do that kind of stuff. Like our creativity was oh my gosh, we bought this house as a single family home rental, but look, there's like Mohawk colleges down the street. We didn't even realize maybe we should try it as a student rental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, was a, that was our creativity level back then. And we thought we were like geniuses. You know, we took the one rent and we turned it into a much higher rent with a different application of the same house. Whereas I it, feel like your generation is just much more <laughs> advanced. It could be that, or it could be there's no choice. You have to yeah, you have get to the creative on the adding of value. There's definitely that. Change in numbers, right? And, and that's, I think, the evolution just of really, kind of ebbs and flows. So for example, when we started getting heavy into working with investors in 2007, 2008, interest rates were still high. Uh, this would be maybe 06, 07, actually. Uh, interest rates were still high enough that we had to do a rent-to-own strategy because we had to be able to have something that um, allowed us to get slightly higher than average rent, just a couple hundred dollars more than re- regular rent, and an upfront option fee because that money would help the property positively cash flow for a little while. But then interest rates dropped so low into the next decade that we didn't have to do a rent-to-own strategy anymore because rates were so low, you could literally just straight up rent a house. Mm-hmm. And then now interest rates kind of, then pro- sorry, then property prices went up so much that even with low rates, you had to start doing like different burr strategies and duplexing and that kind of stuff. And then, you know, interest rates have gone up now. So property prices went up, but now interest rates have also gone up. So now some of the properties you must turn into a triplex or you have to do the student rental. But I, I feel like there's so much ebb and flow to this. So in 2024, if rates come down, like a lot of projections seem to say they would be, it's going to open up some opportunities that didn't open up or didn't exist in the higher rate environment of 2022, 2023. So I think as a real estate investor, that's the beauty of real estate. It allows for creativity, but you have to be also expecting it as well. Like you have to be somewhat fluid with your strategies because what worked five or six years ago might not work in this environment today. Mm -hmm. So you're right. You're kind of just forced into some of this stuff. And I think that's where like garden suites and laneway housing and infill projects specifically that are built as duplexes with a garden suite or something like that are going to become mandatory. And you were briefly talking about it. it. Is that what you've, are you about to embark on a garden suite or did you just finish one? What were you so, telling me? So we actually have applied for five permits. Okay. In Kitchener, specifically this year for garden suites, all of which have been approved. We have two active builds right now. These are both oh, wow. so, okay. customer properties. So just on the, the application, did Kitchener give much pushback? No, they were pretty, progress. they're pretty progressive okay. as far as allowing the garden suites. It's more the learning curve on my end. Yeah. As what they're learning, their, their uh, requirements are. What were the biggest the requirements? Was it like some of the setback requirements or part, like what were some of the biggest things that you learned through that process on those five? So part of it is that they're still trying to figure out 
exactly like at, I know. O- over this cor- over the course of the year right they've they've updated the bu- the bylaw once or twice so far so there's been some changes from the submitting of permits at the beginning of the year till the most recent one which got approved a couple of weeks ago now uh, as and as far as their process so it's not just applying for a building permit you have to apply for two separate permits with them one is for the planning department called the zoning occupancy certificate the other one is your standard building permit application so you have to go through and pass one until you get your built like the building permit won't be issued until you have that approval by planning and planning is going to look exactly what you said the setbacks uh is, is one of the major ones so uh the lot width also uh one of them mm. uh, i mean there's ways around it. you can go through the minor variance application process but that adds time and cost to lot width is important because you need a certain amount of so you have those a lot of uh the properties in kitchener especially at sure hamilton mm-hmm. as well are bungalows yeah. bungalows are, tend to be wider yeah especially compared to new developments then you'll have a nine foot, let's say, driveway on one side, and then you'll have your side yard yeah. on the other. Uh, I guess they looked at, I can't speak for them, but I guess they looked at so many of the properties, the lots in Kitchener and said, here's the parameters where we'll allow a garden suites to be built. Okay, so the width, it, uh, it, there's just a certain width of lot that it's allowed. Yeah, yeah, which is 43 feet. Hmm. So there, there are circumstances that uh, we've had to go to the committee of adjustments to get a minor variance applied for a lot that was around 41 feet mm. wide. Oh God! But it had the necessary requirements for the driveway width, and they also require a walkway. Okay. On the other side, or, or standalone from the driveway, they can't uh, intersect, which is for f- fire access. Mm. That needs to go from either the street, or if you have a sidewalk, from the sidewalk directly to the front door of the garden suite. So that's another one of the boxes that need to be checked. So if you have a side yard that's less, less than yeah, got four it. feet, you might not be able to. You might not be able to do it unless okay. you go down the road. And then what about things uh, on those types of lots? I guess sewage access is okay because you have the driveway. You can get any plumbing you need to these garden suites. That's been the case so far. Because then I know in Toronto, yep. I know a few people have had to go under homes to get some of the stuff to a laneway or garden suite type house. Yeah, but in th- this kind of thing, you don't need to. So garden the. The ones that we have uh, going on right now, they're all uh, have their own utilities. They're all connected within the, the private property. None mm-hmm. are directly connected to the city. Does the plumbing go through the primary property as well? or does So it, it, it's standalone. Okay. So it's its own sewer and its own water line. Okay. And it has to be connected outside of the primary home. Hmm. Oh, it has to be. It has to be. Okay. Yeah, so you can't tap into... Okay, but electrical? The electrical... Uh, well, in all the cases that we've done it so far, we're just adding on yeah, okay, another meter. It. So okay. each garden suite will have its own separate water, gas, and hydro meters. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and in a couple of cases, uh, the ones that we have on the go now, both properties have been tenanted. Hmm. So we've had to go uh, around, so up the driveway for the water and sewer. Uh, in some cases, as far as 150 feet for the trenching. But if you have the right depth and the right slope, you can get away with a gravity-fed sewer, which basically just means from the garden suite to the street, there's enough slope on it that it'll just gravity will take its course. Otherwise, you have to have an injector pump. Mm, got it. And yeah. why are you saying what was the 150 foot comment? That from from the, the basically road, the, the property like, line at the front yeah. all the way to the demarcation point in the garden suite, which is just the mm. service. Oh, it's 150 foot 150 run. feet. So it was yeah, a lot of trench. It. Okay. And I feel like a lot of people don't factor in what kind of cost, Got time, uh, and then you, or you all that it? dirt has to go. 
Mm-hmm. Where did you put the dirt? The backyard? Uh, fortunately, there, that lot is is uh, quite interesting. It's like a T-shaped lot. Okay. So we had lots of space in the back hmm. to be putting dirt on that very long trench. Because you're going to put it all back, but you temporarily have to build it up somewhere. Oh, what a it pain. And then did you have to teal the tenant? That you, did you have to, I guess, the tenants you had to give notice to that existed in the house? Exactly. Hey, here's what we're doing. So could they yeah. park on the driveway during this time? No. So you got permits for the road, I guess, for them? So... The nice thing in the city of Kitchener between the months of, I think it's, well, basically it's the start of spring until the start of winter. So up until November 30th, you can park on the street legally without facing a ticket, which is very nice of them. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I know you can't do that in a lot of You can't do that in Oakville, no. Um, so uh, that's actually a busy street that it falls on. So fortunately, there's a plaza just across the street that they could park in. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. Look and at that, you taking advantage that, of the commercial plaza. Right? Yeah. Okay. That, that process uh, took about a week could take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. The other one that we're working on now, we had to do it in two stages. So we dug up the front yard as part of phase one. We're able to get that past all those connections that were made past, fill it in and then do the rest of the trenching. So okay. we can reuse the front yard for all the soil. And these the ones you're pouring a slab. Correct. How deep do you have to go when you pour a slab in Canada? So the slab that we're doing on these ones and all of the permits that have been approved is an engineered slab on grade. So it, it extends about 12 inches below grade. That's it? Yeah, that's it. But the entire slab gets wrapped in an R10 rigid insulation. So it helps mm. prevent frost oh, freezing okay. underneath. That's okay. the intent of it. So that way, you know, the water, when it freezes, water, the ice will expand. So right. what's that? When you're pouring the cement, you actually have this insulation acting almost like a form that you're pouring the cement into? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm th- am I thinking like a, a styrofoam type form product? What What is this? More, well, you're thinking about ICF, but yeah, I guess the rigid insulation is a similar material. Okay. Uh, under Underneath that, let me just kind of backtrack. So you have a gravel base. So sure. before you do the gravel base, you're going to excavate all of your topsoil and your tree roots. Okay. Because don't, those won't compact. It'll hold water. And that will present. Does the gravel measure. base have any minimum requirement, or no? That's just not not, not really. I okay. think a minimum of five inches, but okay. probably it depends on the site too and the grading that's yeah. the existing grading that's there. How much you're going to build it up? Okay. Uh, we've and how much topsoil you're taking out, obviously. Uh, so we've taken around probably about two feet of so, uh, topsoil on each of our jobs. So we've had to backfill kind of okay. around the same. So uh, once that's down. Then you start to do your actual wood forms around the perimeter. And then within those wood forms, you're putting in your rigid insulation. And then on top of that rigid insulation, you're putting your rebar Mm. and wire mesh. Yeah, got it. So the slab around the perimeter is gonna be about 18 inches by 18 inches thick. So at the perimeter all the way around, it's gonna be wider. And then in the middle, we'll get less exposure to the cold from underneath. Yeah, got it. It's only five inches. Oh, really? That's how yeah. you do that? Wow. Okay. And then the rest of the build, once that slabs down, the rest of the build is pretty standard. Frame. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Are you doing, have you seen anyone doing, or would you ever consider some prefabricated type garden suite stuff that maybe you're engineering or designing offsite and building and then bringing on site in components? Or is that something further down the road? Or is it not cost effective? So I have seen it. I know you had someone on your podcast not that long ago. Uh, I can't remember the company name, but there's a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it seems like it's companies. getting trendier. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm more of a traditionalist where I like the stick frame for a few reasons. Uh, when it comes to the manufacturer homes right now, they have a certain capacity, uh, 
once they hit that capacity, so if demand were to increase, they have to one, get more facility, some more space, more labor, more tools to meet that demand, or they're going to have to increase their lead times. It's one of the, yeah, one of the, got other, it. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so there's limitations as far as the capacity. So what might be a three month build for them right now? What's that going to look like if their requests yeah, like come in doubles or crushed. anything like that? Right. What about, and then what kind of, Oh, go ahead. So sorry. whereas with the stick framing construction, so traditional construction, you're going to have a lot more variety of contractors to choose from more on demand. Stuff, yeah. Right. Cause so you're going to have a pick of the litter, not necessarily, but you know what I mean? You're yep. just going to have yeah. a lot more variety of, to choose from. The other thing is that you can customize your build to fit on that specific lot. Whereas with a manufactured home, they might only have several options to choose from. And the city of Kitchener, I'm sure other municipalities only uh, allow a maximum size of garden suite based on two variables, either the size of the main home, uh, which is 50% of the gross floor area. So if your, your bungalow is a thousand square feet in the main floor, then you, you can build you a five up to 50%, 50%. So you oh, build wow. five, 500 square yeah. foot garden suite. Got it. Now you can add a basement in it too, and you mm -hmm. double your square footage, but that's kind of like the general. So uh, up to a maximum of 850 square feet or 80 square meters, whatever that converts Got to in square feet, that's what they're allowing as the maximum. So if you have a model for a manufactured home that kind of falls with a studio or one bedroom at say 400 square feet, and then the next size up is 550, yeah. but you can only do a 500 and then you're kind of screwed and you have to go with the smaller one. Yeah. So you just, it opens you up to, to stick framing for more, Got it. more variety. And then what kind of stuff on these two that you are currently in build, you're doing two of them right now? Two right now. Are they what, one bedroom place? Like what are you building? So both of them are two bedroom, two bath. Two bedroom, two bath. Yeah. Wow. So the, going back to the lot, so this the lot for the uh, one that's 660 square feet, it's shaped like a parallelogram. It's an interior lot, uh, but rather than a rectangle, it's a parallelogram. So all of the property lines are slightly angled. So you can't put a square or a rectangle in the backyard. Otherwise you're going to have a ton of wasted yeah. space on more than one side. So what we ended up doing, or I did is the, in the design is to shape it like an L. So you're only losing space at the top of the L, which would be your rear property line. And then you have a, a courtyard area within the, oh, cool. the L. Yeah, that's so it really maximizes the space from the lot. And then at the same time, it separates itself yeah. from the bungalow. Yeah. So there's a separate backyard for the main floor tenant. Oh, that's really cool. So there's just more options. Who's doing this? So this is an investor that had this property that Correct. said, hey, Michael, I want to maximize. I want to generate more revenue off this thing. And exactly. they hired your services. Exactly. Um, and they're hiring your design company or they're hiring Tri-City They're hiring Tri-City Builders and Tri-City Builders is the one that's doing the design build on it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then I guess anything that you've seen so far is pushback on the existing tenants in that property? It's, it's a different structure altogether, but so, I guess some of them could say, hey, well, my backyard now is cut in half. So on this one, uh, with the one I was just describing, they were we were already in the planning stages with them before oh, it was leased. So they okay. had it. You'd tell them. Exactly. And they, I guess then if that, if they knew up front, it's their decision. So they didn't really care, I guess. Right. Whereas with the other one that we have going on, it's a completely different story <laughs> because it was already tenanted. And, and I guess the bylaws around this are all gray and a mess. Yeah. So there was a few obstacles to uh, yeah. get through with the, the other build and the tenants there where they called 
bylaw. And they yeah, yeah, I guess they could push so. back. But so. really, they don't really can't push back on much, I don't think. You have the property. The bylaws exist to build it. You're allowed to build it. Yeah. Just the tenant board doesn't even know about this stuff yet, but I'm sure the tenant board's going to have some weird and wacky and wonderful new crazy things that get added to it for this kind of situation. Yeah, so the, the recommendation is have a discussion with your tenants at sure. the planning stage yeah. beforehand so they know that it's coming. Yeah. And when the real messy work is happening, particularly the water and sewer, we'll try to minimize ourselves the downtime when we have to do the connection mm-hmm. from the new to the old. Yeah, I never thought about right? that, damn. But if it's possible to find them temporary accommodations elsewhere for that portion of the work. Oh God, have you seen on housing in Ontario? (laughs) Yeah, sure, okay, dreamland, but yeah, I get it. But some of us have rental properties like Nick and I with tenants in there for so long that have a massive lot that we could easily build a garden suite in the back. Um, And we never had the discussion with the tenant in there because they've been in there for like a decade longer. So, you know, yeah. There's weird stuff, I guess, that's going to happen over the next few years. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I would say is if anyone is planning to do a garden suite and they just pick up a new property and they duplex it first, that, uh, so we've done that a couple of times now. Okay. One is for our personal, me and my business partner investment property. Since we upgraded all of the plumbing, so water and sewer to the main house, as part of the duplex build, we also did the water and screw roughens for the garden suite at the same time. So Smart. before it was mm-hmm. tended. See, it really helps to be thorough engineer, yeah. architect, project planner type. And uh, what the city allowed us to do, which is something that they were still having internal discussions on, was to do a completely separate water and sewer line through the basement of the, the home. So completely independent of the main home's water and sewer but just to be able to go through it while we had the slab opened and we were doing the rest of the upgrades to the to existing home. So we didn't have to do yeah. bother with trenching around the outside. Got it. So if that's a possibility for people, I'd say- Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Now knowing this stuff, we can all make better decisions on doing things when you're changing up a property or doing a renovation on a property. Yeah. Hmm. Now the, the caveat to that is that you need to have your building permit for that work to happen for the garden suite. So if you're gonna do your rough-ins for the garden suite, you need to have your building permit in so basically we did the permit drawings for the duplex and the permit drawings for the garden suite almost simultaneously and you're doing all of these so far in the tri-city area there kitchener cambridge waterloo that's going to be your area of expertise i I imagine over time you're going to go outside of that area at some point that that's the goal but right now this is where there's enough there there's enough there until we scale Mm -hmm. um i think a lot of the investors sorry investors are just finding you word of mouth kind of thing Word of mouth, we're doing a lot on social media. We're posting oh, awesome. like crazy all okay. our progress photos, videos. Are you talking so, about your book here? Not yet? Not yet. Oh, okay, that's going to come? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I did actually release it on Kindle, so I did a bit of marketing okay. promotion for it now, but the uh, paperback version is coming out too, so okay. I'll have to ramp that up. Okay. I'm just trying to provide value to Who's people. Who's doing your social media? Just me. You are? Yeah, What's the me. social media? What, is it an Instagram handle or TikTok? What are we talking about? Instagram. What is it yeah. on Instagram? So, so tri, uh, Tri-City Builders Instagram is we build ADUS, ADUs. Huh. And then um, that's cool. So, and then you're going to have awesome raw material to put on your Instagram account with some of these builds now. So Perfect. now you have a lot of stuff. People love watching something get put yeah. together. Yeah. So I did a, a montage from weeks one to seven of the build progress for uh, that L-shaped garden suite I was saying earlier. 
cool. to show it at each stage mm. so they can see in about a minute and a half is how long the video was up until the point where it had been shingled so like almost like a time lapse kind of thing no it wasn't a time lapse oh. I, I had set up the time lapse camera but work. i didn't hit the record yeah, button yeah. there or whatever it didn't come, it was that kind of stuff. everyone has the best ideas on time lapse and if you capture it and make it work you're a miracle yeah. worker i swear yeah so it did the, the booklet that it came with it didn't come with instructions <laughs> so i had set all the intervals up i set the schedule monday to friday but eight you to didn't five. Hit record there was no record button in the setting the record was hold down the okay button for three seconds which <laughs> i found out after so Classic, you know, yeah, we've one, all been there all that lo- all that time is lost but i did capture it at each stage just with my yeah cool just with my phone cool. just doing but going uh, like forward the time lapse would be cool so the second one i made sure that it was so you have that one going now yeah, yeah cool um, and then what's the story with the, so what, what is the, why did you write this book? Like, what's the name of the book? And is it tied in with garden suites specifically? What's the purpose of the book? Can you share this? I can. Yeah. So it's not meant for garden suites specifically, but it can. Rehabbing in general? Rehabbing in general. So uh, whether people are doing a duplex or they're doing a bathroom remodel, kitchen remodel, doing a rental unit remodel or building a garden suite or doing development, this is basically compressing all of my time and experience as a construction manager project manager for the construction management company and my current knowledge being an investor into uh, what I would like to think as a manual to help them plan and manage their property. So basically it's your analytical mind looking at all the mistakes that people like me make and say, Hey Tom, why didn't you read this book before you started on this project? That's what uh, spurred reading the (laughs) book, but it's not what went into the book. What went into the book is all my experience and, and just trying to communicate it less technically more in a way that the average yeah, awesome investor and homeowner even could could understand it so rehabber yeah. secrets the essential strategies every real estate investor needs to plan and manage successful property rehabs yeah very cool so when is this going to be available on, as, as it's available as kindle and it's going to be available as as a paperback soon as well yes when is and it by the end of the month end of the month yeah. so end of november 2023 yeah yeah oh cool yeah. congrats yeah. man eventually still, there will be an audiobook version yeah this is a lot of work to put together so yeah, good, that's good actually the second book. Yeah, the, well, remind me the first yeah. one. The first one was uh, I forget what was the topic. It so, was so it was rehabbing your way to wealth. Oh, okay. And then uh, there's a, the subtitle to that, basically just the top mistakes that investors make. Yeah, that's right. To maximize their returns and avoid getting burned. Yeah. yeah. So there's ten mistakes in there, common mistakes uh, that people will make, and how to how to avoid them. Yeah. What is the number one mistake people make? I think it's unrealistic expectations. Time or money, both? Both. Yeah. Both. How long yeah. does it take and yeah. how much is it going to cost me? On every rehab project, mm-hmm. whether it's your own home or an investment property. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So th- that's that was the first book that's more of the here's the problem. And then this book is more of the solution. Where are you finding the time to write these books? make the time for are you carving out time like every day well having started tri-city builders at at the beginning of the year there was a lot of uh build up to actually getting jobs so i was using that time okay cool to write it Mm -hmm. yeah so i started writing it december of last year went through i don't know four or five six maybe different iterations so the book that's here now is completely different from what i started with uh, and the Kindle came out um, at the beginning of July. So wow. I spent about 
six months on it. So we're 2023, you quit your job in, the, it was like June, 2021. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. June, 2021. So we're just over two years. You're at the, you're at the beginning of this, but you're doing the right things. You got your second book out. You got, you've been exposed to a bunch of different people already. You're settling in on your niche. You're doing what you like to do at this stage in business building. There is a lot of pain. Cash flow management is like initially non-existent then it's very choppy um until it gets consistent you're going through a lot of stuff but when you stick with the path that you're on and build a, a good reputation like you are i think there's just going to be a lot of good things ahead of you michael it's just it's just a journey you know like this is not an easy path you're on which i think you know well it, it goes back to rich dad poor dad as well because what does robert kiyosaki talk about he talks about delayed gratification mm -hmm. so if Fortunately, I put myself in a position where I had a healthy nest egg leaving my full-time job. Oh, where, You're one of where, the few, dude. Way to right, go. Where, where I can get, afford myself the time mm -hmm. and not have that kind of pressure to, like, I, it's kind of good and bad at the same time because I had something, a nest egg to fall back yeah. on, right? So I didn't give yeah, me you don't have that the burning. Boats, exactly, the same need. Burn the boats it, behind you. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, did you, how did you manage to save up with a nest egg, was there a simple strategy? Were you just taking a percentage of your income coming in and saving it all the time? Like, how did you get to that point? Because that's so, pretty young to be to have some savings. So that was that was part of it. Uh, the condo that I had in Oakville, mm -hmm. I bought it in the start of 2016. So okay. that helped. I fully yeah. renovated it myself. Uh, and when I sold, I sold it for almost double. Oh, good for what you. I had, okay. What I bought it for. Okay. So that went towards the down payment for the new house that we went into and then whatever was left over. So I put the 20% down, whatever's left over. I had that in my account. I ended up uh, after leaving my full-time job, we went down to one car. So I sold my BMW because mm. I was just sitting good for you in the, in the garage anyways. Uh, and then in 2017, I had bought a pre-con condo at, in Mimico or Humber Bay Shores, I guess specifically. Okay. Um, with the intent to move into it because it would have been a step up from the Oakville condo closer to where I was working at the time, which was heavily in Toronto and just life happened and that, you know, things changed. My company had, uh, had opened up an office in Kitchener and that's actually how we, Oh, that's how you started out there. Cause we couldn't afford anything else. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Good for you. And now I guess, do you, I guess, uh, looking back at your corporate world, you're pretty new into kind of being on your own, but it has been two and a half years. Um, what are your thoughts? How's it going with your own evaluation? So the growth has been slow mm -hmm. in my my eyes, but um, that's just my personality type, that type A personality. What are you measuring right. growth by? Financially? Uh, yeah. Opportunity yeah, wise? Yeah, more, more of just a return on the time Oh that's God! Been, it's been invested. Dude, the right? first five yeah. years that we started this business, I, I think at th until the three year mark, we had, it honestly just felt like, what are we doing? I think we're just losing money. <laughs> for the first three years, because so much was invested back into the business. Wait, and then uh, you have all of those self doubts. It's like, is this, it was what I'm doing going to work? Is it? Is I don't it gonna... know, for whatever reason, Nick and I didn't really have the self doubts. I don't no. know why it was maybe that stupidity. Like it was just uh, stubbornness and stupidity that was just like, we just, it was never, even when the finances really weren't, we weren't getting ahead. Like, and I was leaving a pretty high income job. There was never an analysis of, oh, I'm not matching what I used to make. It was more just like, yeah, we got to keep going. Like, how are we going to do this? We just got to keep going. It was never, someone else asked me that recently. And I thought, we ne no, we never had like a self doubt. Uh, maybe we're just 
arrogant assholes or something but it was never self-doubt it was more just uh we had a confidence in yourself i guess just confidence that we would just keep working i don't know both our parents that was one thing we took from our parents they're just hard workers um but now looking back i would say that was perhaps a little foolish especially with you know uh, my wife at home not working two kids mortgage on the house looking back that Probably looks way too risky, um, but I'm almost glad I didn't look at it as risky at the time. Um, the, the life paid dividends, obviously. It's paid amazing yeah. dividends, and uh, I just don't regret any of it. I think it would have been more risky to stay in the corporate job I was at and then have a single source of income, and then you lose that at a certain age, and how do you replace well, that? Well, exactly, yeah. But uh, yeah. but do I do look back now going, wow, okay, that was a bit of a, of a wild run. And until about the five-year mark in business, I don't think there was really a moment where we could say, oh, let's. there's a little bit of money in the bank. Maybe we can take a little extra. I think it took us, and I'm not, I know every business is different, but it was like five years until it was really kind of like, and I'm not saying we were just raking in money then and it was like, we're on easy street. It was just, oh, there's a little bit extra beyond what we need to live our lives, mm-hmm. you know? I think part of it too, not, not just monetary, it's more like the validation is what I'm doing working, mm-hmm. yeah. especially when it comes yeah. to something like this, because there's not, this is niched way down mm-hmm. so i couldn't really they they exist but just people coaches say what that, that are teaching investors yeah, yeah. how to manage their mm-hmm. projects whether that's self-managing or even mm-hmm. managing a general contract all the same to me but just part of that process mm-hmm. yeah but you're young you have lots of energy you like this stuff the world is your oyster Michael, it'll be going to be interesting to see over the next few years. What do you think the biggest opportunity for investors over the next 10 years is right now? Is it what you are doing currently? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Additional dwelling units. If they want to invest here, mm-hmm. for sure. I think that's the path forward. Mm-hmm. I and agree. Certainly the government policy would suggest mm-hmm. that. And I think the nice thing about that is that... Um, the big builders aren't going to play in this space. It's too small for them. And the very beginning investor who's just going to buy a built rental property isn't really your competition either. So if you are able to do this kind of stuff for yourself and for clients, there's going to be more people doing it, but it's not going to be heavy competition because what you're doing with garden suites and stuff is a little bit advanced for most residential real estate investors and it's too little for the big home builders to compete at. Mm-hmm. So I think you're kind of in this sweet spot where although there will be more people, definitely more contractors doing what you're doing. I just think that there's this sweet spot where the competition, there's so much opportunity and the competition isn't going to be too heavy. And there's going to be a lot of people who do a bad job at it, don't do it right. And they're going to get a bad reputation really quickly, which is going to open the door for you to build your uh, reputation over years and get more and more referrals and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I definitely want to offer investors sort of a, a variety of options if they want to learn and they're more DIY and they have that interest in the construction, something that they can pick up and read or get coached on or consulted on by me for that. Or if they're more hands off and passive and they too busy with family life, their full-time job that they could hand or hand, uh, hire a company like Tri-City Builders to take it from inception to completion 
And are you doing some of that education stuff now? Someone reaches out to you and says, hey, Michael, I just really like I bought this thing. I just want the consulting part. That's still an active part of what that, you're doing. That's what Infinite Design and Consulting okay. has transitioned and you have into now. Okay. And you have yeah. different packages for that or is it custom? That, that's still early stage, but okay. uh, what I want to turn it into is a package that will almost like a third party project manager where whether it's once or twice a week, help them through the process from each week for their project. So if they're doing a duplex conversion and that project's 12 to 16 weeks, then I'm there helping coaching them through whether that's a tendering process or reaching out to general contractors, gathering quotes, reviewing quotes, putting together a scope of work even before that and a schedule or the actual managing process, which most of the work is done in the planning and hiring process of managers. But after that, there's still managing of their work, making sure that they're on time and on budget and so on. So that's going to be sort of the middle ground between something like this and maybe courses in the future. Excited and for you, man. And then Great. And that business. So I'm, uh, you know, in the trenches every single day living what's being taught in this yeah. book, right? So over time, we'll continue to refine and deliver the message in a more clear and concise way that hopefully can help. It's a good time to come across you. You're hungry. You're young doing this stuff. You're in the trenches doing it. It's a, it's a great time. So, um, but your contact info, anything else you want to share before you hand out your contact information? So, uh, we could talk about this, uh, on this past Saturday, actually, we had a property tour that we did of our two active garden suite builds, uh, a lot for investors. Some are homeowners as well. So agents, mortgage brokers showed up. There wasn't a, a ton of us, maybe two dozen people at most. I don't have a huge network yet. I'm hoping that that real estate that isn't like hot and sexy at the moment either, Michael. Yeah. So if you got, if you got that many people showing up in this era, you're on, yeah. you're on the right yeah. path. Yeah. So that was actually the real first presentation that I had outside of oh, cool. probably school. Well, so congrats. I was both nervous and excited uh, for that. And you it, took uh, people through both of those projects. Exactly. Oh yeah. Great. Yeah. So we started with just a little bit about what garden suites are, how they came to be, what the benefits of them are, who they could serve. That went into the technical side like we talked about here. Here we just got a, I gave you a brief glimpse of you know what the city's looking for, but the two-part permit process, one for the planning, uh, one for the building. Then we went and covered build costs, build timelines, what's realistic, talked about uh, what to think uh, as far as build co costs for things like site logistics, uh, your scope of work. Oh, so you so, broke it all down so for me. I did. Is yeah. there a price per square foot that you can hone in on yet? Or is it too difficult and too custom? So until we finish the two builds that we have, yeah, now, that really will really know. help. No, yeah. Okay. But I lean on the uh, side of uh, conservative when I'm putting mm -hmm. together the budgets, right? I'd rather be. So what would you, what do you, what would you guess right now? So between three fifty to $400 per square foot plus tax. That's mm -hmm. uh, with our CM fee audit, of course for just the build of the garden suite, but then you have the cost of all of the site work that's gonna be required as part of the construction. So if you have to do a driveway widening, sure. right, yeah. the extension, regrading the walkway, yeah. all those kinds of things. Fence, mm -hmm. if you wanna separate some of the areas Yeah, they're off, separate from like the that. structure, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I show that as a below the line cost okay. as a separate price, but that sort of averages out. It's hard to also calculate it as a square footage based on the size of the garden suite because it's based on the lot. But that's about another fifty square feet, uh, fifty dollars right. per square foot. So we we broke all that down, broke down the timelines. Uh, you know, a traditional new build home is going to be at least nine to twelve months to build. Uh, right now, we're on track to do uh, the the first one that's further ahead in about five months. We're really pushing the 
awesome put push an envelope on it but five to nine months is something that would be realistic so yeah we really went over all that and then they got to see it on site and ask questions and are you going to do those again there. definitely and just announcing on social media on your instagram handle perhaps that uh we're probably going to connect with some uh real estate investors that have more influence more of a social media following a uh, following and try to link up with them so we can get the word of yeah, cool. as well yeah and then you yeah. well, you're gonna hand out a url is that for, yes what, so what? that's that's this this package here so oh, okay this is a, a bonus that i gave to everyone who participated as part of that property tour just as a thank you i wanted to deliver an extra bit of value so uh, actually three lucky ones got uh pre-release three lucky ones yeah. i like that yeah. we have three lucky winners here so they got your book they got three oh, yeah cool. yeah the pre-release copy of the book so hopefully they can take advantage of of that uh, and then they all got a copy of this, not just the slide deck that we reviewed uh, as part of my presentation, but I also gave them uh, samples in the form of a scope of work of uh, budget. Oh, awesome. And then of a sequence of construction activities. Oh, man. So they have that as a reference. So I said, even if you don't choose to work with us, at least you can use these tools to help you you know, plans. Oh, huge. And, plan and that's out. what you're offering people. That's what I'm offering people. Oh, so where, yeah. where, where can, if someone wants that stuff, where do they get it? So they can go to real estate rehabbers with an S. Okay. Dot com forward slash garden suites. Fill in your, your uh, name and email and then and you'll be greeted with the thank you page. The thank you page will just let you know that an email is coming. So double check your inbox or your spam folder. And that will contain a Google Drive link. And on that Google Drive, we'll have all of these documents that people can view and download. And Awesome. Okay. Use. If you're yeah. driving while you're listening to this, we'll link to it in the show notes of this episode as well. So it's realestaterehabberscorrect.com mm -hmm. forward slash garden suites. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's if you just go to realestaterehabbers.com, I have a ton of blog posts there covering all kinds of different topics, property rehabbing related that people can consume as well. And then on there is all my social media YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, awesome. all there. Yeah. yeah. Michael, this is really cool, man. You've done a lot in a short period of time. The next few years are going to be super interesting. I'm excited to see what you continue to do. And the raw material you're going to have on all these builds over the next few years is going to be huge because you're going to have stuff that not too many people have, and you're going to have done these things already. That's going to generate a lot of new business for you. Yeah. So I definitely don't want people to underestimate the value of these. It's huge. What you've put together there. Yeah. Like the, the third, what was the last one you said? The sequence, the sequence of events? of construction activity. Yeah. It's, that's a huge thing. I don't know if you'll be always sharing that on your website. So uh, I, I, don't I, have a, get it well I have a sneaky suspicion <laughs> you'll be taking that down at some point. But uh, Michael, super cool, man. Thanks for doing this. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. And we, uh, the URL, realestaterehabbers.com forward slash garden suites on Instagram at webuildadus, ADUs. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. Perfect. Thank you. Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Michael. You can follow him on Twitter at WeBuildADUs, that's WeBuildADUS. Or you can visit him at realestaterehabbers.com, that's realestaterehabbers.com forward slash, forward, sorry, I can't speak, forward slash garden suites if you want to go right to the garden suites page, but it's realestaterehabbers.com forward slash garden suites. And if you want to get associated with other action takers like Michael, you might want to check out the Rockstar Inner Circle membership. You can find out all the 
benefits of benefits of becoming a Rockstar Inner Circle member by visiting rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. Until next time, your life, your terms.